I'm Art Miller. This is Art Class, and it's about to begin. Please take your seats. This is the Lake Forest Podcast. Welcome to the Lake Forest Podcast, a podcast about the lovely city of Lake Forest, featuring topics like local news, sports, music, people, food, and history. My name is Pete, and I'm joined with my co-host, Lake Forest history legend, Arthur Miller. We all live in Lake Forest. But before we start Art Class, we have a sponsor for the show, Dakota Insurance Group, they've got your back. Why? Because that's what friends are for. Dakota Insurance handles all your residential and commercial insurance needs. Get a quote now at dakotainsurancegroup.com. Okay, one of the goals of the podcast is for listeners to learn just a little bit more about Lake Forest. Well, who better to teach us about Lake Forest history than our own Lake Forest history legend, Arthur Miller? Okay, everyone, take your seats, fold your hands, put them on top of the desk. Our class is about to begin. Hey, Art, how you been? I'm just fine. How are you? Oh, I'm sitting on my edge of my seat here. You know, these little school seats, they're not as big as I remember. A uh, little tough on the tuchus. Yeah, right. <laughs> so what do you, what do you, <laughs> they're, they're tippy too, right? What do you got in, <laughs> what do you got in store for us today? So we've talked some about the history of, you know, early Lake Forest and how it evolved. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about, continue that evolution about the downtown area. Um, Lake Forest, it, it sort of got started west of the 1855 railroad tracks. Um, and especially when DeVille R. Holt, a famous uh, or an important Chicago lumber dealer, entrepreneur, said that he wouldn't build his fancy house at 570 North Sheridan Road called the Homestead, um, which is actually a brick house, but it's covered with uh, clabbered because he was in the lumber business. So it would have been bad for his rep. So he said he would not build it in 1860 if there were going to be any businesses east of the tracks. So downtown Lake Forest developed west of the tracks. It developed um, along Western Avenue, uh, Western meaning it was the end of town. Um, as far as the rich people would, were concerned, they would never go over there. Um, but along Western Avenue and, to, and behind it a little ways, developed kind of a long strip of um, local businesses uh, gradually. Um, there were built businesses on the, by the, by 1867, there were a couple of businesses at the, at the on the west side of the intersection with um, Western Avenue and Deer Path, a um, couple of stores. There was a, 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 a hardware and tinsmith a little bit further north. Uh, gradually businesses developed a post office, things like that. Um, there wasn't a lot of business done in Lake Forest because most of the people, um, there were, it was a commuter community. And so somebody was going into the city every day and they picked up what they needed for the most part there. They also would send their staff because this was a millionaire's community from day one. Um, the estates started in 18, showing up in 1859, 1860, and things like that. So they would send their people over to the stores to buy things, but they didn't really go over there that much. Um, there remained to be on the east side of the tracks, there was a shoe shop, a shoe repair shop, because of course. Um, the main form of transportation was walking um, to the trains. People didn't drive. Uh, some people got driven in a 
horse and carriage or something or a buckboard or something, but it wasn't a big deal. So the stores developed gradually. There was a big fire in 1882 that took out the little ramshackle stores. Um, that was uh, unfortunate, but then they rebuilt. There was no plan to it still. Um, and basically they rebuilt a hodgepodge along Western Avenue of um, some masonry stores, some um, frame stores, and maybe a few that people lived in and things like that. And behind it, houses were built for the people who worked in those areas and things like that, very gradually. But it wasn't, there wasn't really a big substantial downtown district. Um, nobody um, dressed up to go downtown in Lake Forest, let's put it that way. Um, and most of their shopping was done in the city. So um, that, that, that little ramshackle area continued. Problem came along by 18, or by, sorry, by 1906, 07, 08, the Lake Foresters were leading in the support for um, the plan of Chicago. Uh, the chairman of the, of the plan of Chicago committee lived at 550 East Deer Path. His name was Charles Dyer Norton. Um, everybody was interested in having things look better than they did. Um, and so downtown, they, they were making plans for downtown Chicago, which had an ugly um, river port system that was kind of clogged with traffic, ramshackle bridges that went, that angled sideways so cars could go, so the boats could go through. Um, the, the lakefront was dominated by railroad tracks um, and smoke producing steam engines. The, basically, downtown Chicago was not an attractive thing. Um, what happened was their plan, the, Burnham, the, the 1909 Burnham and Bennett plan, uh, came out saying that uh, the place should look better in Chicago. They would clean up the lakefront. They would clean up the river. They would move all of the boat traffic out of the river and have, it, have Navy Pier where the boats would be out there, not clogging the, the river. So the river would become like the Seine in Paris, where there'd be um, sort of a walkway along there, caves. Um, and that's, it took 100 years, but it's pretty much getting done now that we have these um, river walks down there that are pretty impressive. Um, took 100 years. But the Lake Foresters then went home um, to their nice 1900 station that they built and paid for on the railroad, got off the train, they stood there waiting for their carriage or whatever was going to pick them up to take them to their nice place or to the Inwensia Club. And as they're standing there, little buzzing flies would come around, horse flies. There would be a je ne sais quoi that came from uh, wafting toward them from the stables, a little essence of the barnyard. Um, now, the barnyard essence had become very unfashionable in the city of Chicago. The um, stockyard stench had basically pushed the wealthy, the, the privileged out of the South Side, Prairie Avenue, and moved them by 1907-08 up to the North Side. They were basically living now in um, the early high rises along Lakeshore Drive because the, the, the lake breezes, the breezes that came off the water pushed back the stench even if it blew up that far, it, it blew as north, it blew as far north as Fullerton, the smell of the stockyards. 
And you're way too young to remember the smell of stockyards. But those of us who can remember it um, have a vivid, what shall I say? I don't know how you remember smells, but it was, it was like a barnyard times 10. And it just almost knocked you off your feet the first time you experienced it. So they built these high rises because the high rises on the water would be the offshore breezes. So when they had to open their windows to let in fresh air, they would get offshore breezes, not um, stockyard breezes. That's why you go a block back from, or a block back or so from the lakefront, and you got an entirely different kind of real estate district that was not nearly as classy because they were subject to those kind of breezes. So um, the Lake Foresters, when they got off this and it smelled that little odor from the, the livery stable that was across the street, kind of where the South Tower is now of Market Square, they um, became um, thinking they ought to do something about it. So they did. They had gotten together and put, some of the state owners got together and put a little kitty together to help um, create a neighborhood for people uh, in the West Park area in 2007. And they were uh, gonna be interest-free loans that had to be paid off in the middle of 1912. Well, in the middle of 1912, this would be three years after the publication of the plan of Chicago, they got that money back. And in that summer, they bought right away they bought um, about 300 square, 300 linear feet or so across um, on the, in the center of the block between Westminster and Deer Path. They bought property to build Market Square. And uh, then it went back as far as Bank Lane, um, Forest Avenue behind it. And they were going to develop that. So it took them a while to get organized. First off, they used up their money that they had and they didn't have anything else money. A wonderful thing happened to the Midwest um, and especially to Chicago in, in August of 1914. The um, idiots in Europe uh, decided that things were too good. And so they needed to have a war to um, sort of um, mess things up, which they did. They were very effective at messing things up. Um, they mobilized all the countries. Everybody left the farm um, and then left even their jobs in the factories. So they needed steel for munitions. They needed um, food, meat, canned meat, grain and stuff. Where would you go to find all those things? Chicago. Chicago had them all. They had steel mills and Gary. Um, all this stuff was making the people in Lake Forest and in Chicago wealthy. They, they actually couldn't figure out what to, enough what to do with their money in that period, um, 1915, 16. And so they used that money to build Market Square. Um, there'd been a couple of plans that hadn't worked, but the plan that they built, as it looks like it is now, um, that was up, that was operating by late um, 1916. And then the war, the U.S. finally couldn't avoid getting into this mess in um, early 1917 because the Russians pulled out. Um, they had the they had, were having revolutionary problems. They pulled out of the war. That meant there was no Eastern Front for the Germans, so they could pour everything into um, Western Europe, um, change the whole balance of 
terror, you know. So the U.S. entered to reestablish the balance. And then the war ended a year later, a year and a half later in November of 1918. Anyway, Market Square had been built. In the 20s, after uh, several mistakes economically by the federal government, um, in the early 20s that screwed up the economy, never happens anymore. We never do that. The government never gets involved in a way that would actually make things worse. Aren't we glad of that? We've learned our lesson. Absolutely. But, but um, by the mid-20s, things had straightened out. And a young Lake Forest third-generation uh, guy uh, from the support community, and Stanley Anderson, was an architect. And he went independent from working with Howard Shaw, Howard Van Doren Shaw. And on the Anderson farm, which had run from Vine Avenue on the south um, along Western Avenue North, clear up into Market Square area, um, he developed for the Anderson Trust, his grandfather's trust, James Anderson's trust, um, the properties along the north side of um, Deer Path uh, for a block and a half west, um, right up into pretty close to where the uh, city hall is that had been built in 1899. So those buildings were built um, from, there was there had been a 1903 Anderson Trust building first built by James Gamble Rogers, but west of that, Stanley Anderson built the rest of all that property. Uh, 1930, he also then, and it looked like Market Square, basically. It was, he was sneaky about it, though. He was able to make it one story taller because the James Gamble Rogers building at Western was one story taller. So he made it one story taller. He was stepped down uh, as he crossed Bank Lane. There was only a two story building there. Um, and then in 1930, he built the, the was then the first National Bank of Lake Forest, became Northern Trust. And then he built the gun uh, grocery store on the fourth corner uh, in 1927. So within basically a five-year period, he developed that whole part of that roadway. Um, and that was pretty much the prevailing plan. His, um, Anderson died in 1960, but before that, his associate, William Bergman, had built an apartment building south of that gun grocery store on Bank Lane. It's kind of modern looking, but it's basically a traditional um, three-story apartment building with commercial on the first floor, two stories above of, of apartments and a bottom floor of commercial. But it looks kind of modern if you look at it. it it's got a little bit of an international style tinge to it. You've probably seen the building. It's got I think it's got a ladies hair salon. It's got a couple of shops, that sort of thing. Um, and apparently fairly decent apartments, nice apartments that are in there that were built. Uh, still a very viable building, but um, that was much later. He, before that, he'd wanted to have a building built along there that looked more like the Deer Path Inn um, to connect over there. Um, and that never happened. Uh, again, the 1930s came along and then the economy went south again. The government. Um, in that case, actually didn't intervene when they could have to make things better. Um, but, you know, so not much got built, uh, you know, until that 1958 building. And after that, there was a little bit of development. There, not much downtown. Uh, mostly the buildings had been built in the 20s or earlier, and um, not much happened. So uh, the Market Square thing was a big impression. That was the big dominating stylistic thing in downtown. 
And what was interesting was there was a guy who started a bank called Lake Forest Bank and Trust. He started in the early 90s, um, kind of from square, from scratch. Um, and he uh, started off in a building. He, he owned a craft building, which Shaw had built just south of Market Square. It's now the Federal Savings Bank building. Um, he started his bank in there, but he quickly built, started building some buildings along the, the south side of Westminster between Western and Bank Lane. Um, the last wooden ramshackle building was on that block, and he tore that down that was facing in Western. Uh, there was a ramshackle still wooden building on the corner that he demoed. Um, but he built um, these arts and crafts looking buildings that looked a lot like Market Square in 1992 and 1998, two phases. His architect was um, Peregrine Bryant. Now, if you or I named our sons Peregrine, we would be condemning them to a living torture, right? Um, I think we, you know, they would probably try to be called Perry. They wouldn't want to be called Green. Um, their friends would probably call them Gang Green or worse, you know. Uh, but anyway, Perry Green Bryant uh, over in London was this architect. And he worked for um, doing traditional building for big enthusiast and patron Prince Charles, um, who's into all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so He'd done many nice traditional style buildings in Britain. So he was hired by Adams to um, build his bank buildings. So they were done in the style of Market Square. Uh, very interesting. So Market Square, something that had started in 1916, as late as 1998, that style was still carrying forward along in that downtown area. Um, with a little bit of hiccups of modern stuff, but mostly they didn't have much of an impression on the character of it, partly because they're very um, self-effacing, usually the modern buildings that you don't notice them so much, um, but, or the ones that were at least built here didn't, they were meant to be secondary and not call attention to themselves, just be good space. So um, then uh, there was a little change in the management at the, um, Lake Forest Bank and Howard Adams was out and he started another bank because he still owned that building, the craft building. And he started something called the Baytree Bank in that um, same building, which faced on Western, but he decided to expand it to the rear straight West. And he, um, he built an addition with this Peregrine Bryant. And because in the 1980s market square, when it was kind of, reimagined a little bit at the 1980s. They created a, um, where there'd just been an alley for trucks in the south, uh, to the south of the uh, markets, south building of Market Square. Trucks then were about the size of an Escalade. Um, and now Escalades are what the high school kids ride to get home, you know, or drive to the football field from campus. We run into them every time if we try to drive between 3.30 and 415, you know, in Lake Forest, you know, forget it. Um, but those were the truck, those were the big delivery trucks at that time. Well, no truck could get down those alleys anymore. So they decided to turn that space into a um a courtyard area. Well, the one side of it wasn't very developed, the, the south side. And so what, what Peregrine Bryant did was he built a face 
on this addition to the craft building, which was an art scrap, but it's really a very classic Indigo Jones, early 17th century English, high styled classical building. Um, and it dressed up that whole area, you know, added probably to the value of the rental property around it. Um, what was interesting about Market Square is they saved some of the old buildings that had been, all the masonry buildings that were in that original strip along Western Avenue, they moved them back. They moved a couple of them to Bank Lane. Um, there's a unicorn jewelry store back there and a couple other stores. Um, but in the middle of the courtyard, they had one of them that they just parked there, just left in the middle of the courtyard there, um, behind to the south of the south building. Um, that was the heating plant, which wasn't a great idea because the heating plant also served the north side. So the wind always comes from the north. So in order to have enough heat for the people on the north side, they always had to boil practically the people on the south side. So everybody complained about the heat from 1916 until about 1984, when they finally kicked the apartment dwellers out and converted to office space. And those people didn't care as much about the heat. Uh, and they also localized the heat, I think, put in furnaces, modern furnaces. But um, that was that area had still dominated the style picture, and it extended again in um, 19 in 2013-14. The place sold again. Market Square sold again. This is head of the 80s, and this time the people that took over decided to redesign the upper level where there had been. They just had converted the apartments in the 1980s to office space. You know, said like, that zap your office space. Uh, they didn't really replan it. So these people set about replanning it instead of having a bunch of stairs that went up and all separations into little areas, little rabbit warrens. They created one long space, a corridor down the middle, a new elevator to the north, um, and washrooms on a kind of a bump out on the north side. Uh, so they made that much more productive space and they created a big courtyard again on the north side to match the one that's on the south side. So there's been a lot of work to upgrade and promote these buildings and these, these historic buildings and keep them up to date and follow their styles. And that's really the history of the downtown area. There have been a few, the aberrations, the modern period, the, the, the uh, mid-century modern period, you can count on probably one hand the, the buildings that were done, there was a big bell telephone switching thing that was built. It has no windows or anything. It's just a big box. Um, on Deer Path, there's um, the, the old Robertson store, which now sells pet food. Uh, just to the east of the city hall, there's a department store building on Westminster um, on the south side, just before, just between Bank Lane and Forest, I think it is. But there's, there's not a lot of modern looking buildings. Oh, and the buildings where Smith's Men's Store is now, um, north of the Lantern, that's a modern looking building, but it's kind of tucked in between things. So you don't really notice it as being modern. Um, so uh, that's mostly been the prevailing uh, style of the, of the community. And then having invested in Market Square, invested in the Deer Path Inn, uh, the, the Train, I'm sorry, City Hall was redone in 1998. 
The train station was was modernized or you know restored in 1911. I'm sorry, 2011, 2018. So there's been a whole bunch of efforts to restore these older buildings. And then with the new buildings that are added, the downtown character is pretty dominant, pretty strong. And so that's what uh, interesting Lake Forest, interestingly, is what Lake Forest is all about. Um, Paul Bergman, the son of William Bergman that I mentioned, who worked for Stanley Anderson and then carried on his business after he died. Um, he did a book uh, last year uh, on the Stanley Anderson firm and including the, his dad's period from 1960 to about 1990. Um, and so this, this continuity of the downtown, the history of this downtown Lake Forest continuity is uh, sort of an interesting story. And um, it, it's, it's background to a lot of what's been talked about and how to plan for the future. Um, they plan to do a, um, a new comprehensive plan for downtown Lake Forest. Um, I think they put it off until after COVID. Well, that's kind of like putting it off until you're rich or something, you know? Um, <laughs> it, I think what we've maybe learned in the last several months is talking about after COVID is a relative rather than absolute thing. Um, and, you know, as, as um, Chicago's favorite quarterback has proven this last week, um, yeah. Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, people's idea about what's the best thing for them um, may not speed up the getting rid of COVID here. Well, Art, it's uh, people say, hey, I want to see a more vibrant downtown. But then the other side of their mouth is, well, I like my quiet downtown. I like my quiet city. Well, right? so which, be, which is it? They shouldn't be mutually exclusive. I mean, I think we, we do want a vibrant downtown. We want people living downtown and we need a comprehensive plan sooner rather than later that will allow us to figure out where it'll be so that we don't have a war between the um, people who want to build something and the people who want to keep this, the area the same. If they could get together and work on a comprehensive plan that they could all settle on, whether they, whatever land they use, um, that would allow them to, to do that. But we, we, I don't think we can delay it until after COVID is my point. Yeah, I think Got it. there is no reason why we can't have a vibrant downtown. Now, if you wanted to see a sleepy downtown, you should have arrived in the early 70s in the course because there was no liquor by the glass. Oh. There was a movie theater, but there was no liquor by the glass. That had a somewhat, shall we say, calming effect to sobering effect on downtown. Yeah. Um, so one of the reasons for adding liquor by the glass was that it would be a little more convivial. Uh, people would, you know, come down. And they, so now we have restaurants, we've got Francesca's, we've got the Deer Path Inn, we have the Lantern, we have several places that you can dine um, and have a Chiefs and have right. a little resort or something. And um, we're gonna have Le Colonial, which is gonna draw people to town. Um, we don't have a movie theater because frankly, nobody wants to go to a movie theater. Read Vernon it. Hills. Vermin Hills, right. You can go over there. <laughs> no, you can go there. Um, but 
most people are figuring out how to do it. They've kind of gotten a big TV somehow and they're watching stuff at home. So, and the streamers have decided to join them or the movie companies have decided to join the streamers, not fight them, you know, and yeah. they're even some of their main things into those. So we need to think of other things. I think live theater would be great. If we had a live theater downtown someplace or nearby, that would be very popular. Um, I don't know how we're going to do that, but that would be, that would, what I think that would bring people in if we had good live theater. So uh, I hope they get cracking on the, 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 on, a, on the plan for downtown so that we can resolve some of these issues in a more uh, orderly fashion and have some goals and that everybody's agreed to rather than um, just fighting it out because that what we're doing is not civil, you know? Yeah. Well, Art, thanks for making me just a little bit smarter about Lake Forest history. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or something. Or something. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Lake Forest podcast. Please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and smash that like button on Facebook, Instagram, and follow us on Twitter. Let us know what you'd like to hear about on the upcoming shows. Again, I'm Pete. It can be reached at Pete at LakeForestPodcast.com. Link will be in the podcast notes. On behalf of my co-host, Arthur Miller, we thank you for listening, and we thank our Patreon supporters, Church of the Holy Spirit and Reverend Lake Luke Back and Matthew A. Cue the band. <laughs>